Speaking the truth to the state capitol, this is Drive Time Lincoln with the commander, Jack Riggins, on the voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, Wednesday, April 20th. And we're continuing on with uh, local political candidates, and uh, Russ Barger is in the studio today for the first segment, so we'll get to know Russ running for uh, District 26 uh, legislature. Excited about that. A lot going on, as always. I've uh, got a lot of emails, a lot of texts last night. I had to re- I had to unpack last night's show when we had Caleb on talking about white privilege. I'll make a few comments as we get through in the bottom of the hour. Uh, Mark Vale is producing the show. I am Jack Riggins, uh, the host of Drive Time Lincoln, so it is me. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about news and how news over the years uh, with Mark Vale has, I guess, come about. I have some questions. Maybe you saw the Obama Foundation is is going to help the stop the spread of disinformation across social media. I might break that down, um, as well as uh, this vaccine requirement we've all heard about in the U.S. military and some of the things I've been finding out about that and, and why I'm going to start slowly bringing that to the forefront. And then uh, breaking news, the Biden administration appears that they're going to fight back on uh, the mask mandate in federal travel, etc., etc. Uh, oh, well, I'm going to say again real quick before we get to Russ, as I watch uh, warplanes in Ukraine, no U.S. boots on the ground. Nothing is going to change my opinion on that. And we'll probably talk about that a little bit, because I think I'm going to have to keep talking about that with my background in the U.S. military and what's going on over there. All right. Russ Sparger, District 26. Welcome to Drive Time Lincoln. Thanks for having me, Jack. Um, well, you kind of know the deal, I hope. Uh, always want to give you a chance to talk to the listeners, uh, potential voters for you, and and who you are, what you're about, and how you got interested in, in running for District 26 state legislature. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate, Mark, and you having me in studio. You know, I listen to Jack quite a bit when I'm driving home from work, and he's always entertaining and usually pretty informative. So, uh, usually, usually, <laughs> I always qualify everything. I'm an attorney after all. So, uh, we, my family and I, we decided that it was time to run for legislature in District 26. I did get some prodding from some folks in the state house. Um, I think what they were tired of was having reasonable bills get all the way up and get about 31 votes for cloture. And oddly enough, we need 33 for things to pass. We we do. We do. (laughs) So that is a problem. So uh, my family and I have lived in one or another part of Northeast Lincoln. We were on North 68th for a while, then we moved over by St. John's on East Avon. And, you know, other than a few years when I was out in Central City, um, we've been there since about 99. I can't say 30 years straight because there are a few blips in there, but I would say we're inextricably intertwined with the northeast part of town. Gotcha. And, you know, over that time, we've just seen the trajectory of our city government and to a degree our state government go a progressive route that we're just not comfortable with. And we decided it was time for me to step up and see if I could put my skills to use in the state house. Well, I think being an attorney um, certainly uh, allows you to see things uh, both going on p- politically, 
but also legally and just the way elected officials can navigate, um, not a, not just here in Lincoln and Lancaster County, but at the state level. And uh, so there's some good crossover there. Yeah. So I worked for the attorney general for about five years, and then I ended up over at the Department of Labor. So I've had, I wouldn't say I know inside baseball, but I know enough folks that are over in the state house and then dealing directly with senators and the agencies that I think it gives me an extra knowledge base that should help me hit the ground running if the folks in Northeast Lincoln decide to elect me. Yeah, well, that's one of the questions I was going to ask later, but it kind of leads to it now, is, is you look at that as, as an advantage you have. Oh, I think so. I mean, I would write uh, opinions for senators. We'd write opinions for agencies on either new legislation, some federal-state interaction between statutes and code. Um, I think it's important to understand some of those tensions that exist within the legislature. I think, for instance, the uh, I think there's always an earl or a rural-urban divide. Um, I think they're able to work through that on many issues, but it's always in the background for so many things. And then it seems like funding of schools is always on the back in the background, no matter what it is when they're talking about taxes. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think part of it is just uh, the lifestyles that naturally occur in rural environments and uh, city environments, so to speak. Uh, I also think, uh, you know, values a little bit, you know, generally speaking, um, you know, the rural places tend to change slower than city places. And so, you know, it creates some natural friction in a, a very agricultural state like ours to a degree. But at the same time, a very uh, uh, successful um, between like Omaha and Lincoln in, in small business and business environments that may be tech heavy or railroad or, you know, and, and now somebody's going to call me and say, Jack, you missed this corporation. No, we, we all know in Nebraska we have some very <laughs> successful national businesses. Um, platform wise, what are some of the things that you're passionate about and, and you support? Well, uh, you know, controlling government spending, I think, is one of the top that people constantly complain about their property taxes. And I think those. There's two sides of that taxing equation, both the cost and then, of course, the revenue side. And if there's ways that we can deal with some of those cost issues that exist both within state and local subdivision uh, government entities, I have some ideas, I think, that might be able to address that. And then, of course, safe neighborhoods, I think, is something that's pretty important. Lincoln is a fairly safe town, but we've been lucky. I think eventually that might change. I mean, we're getting a really big casino mm-hmm. very soon. Yeah, Nebraska is now a gambling state. Yes, it is. Whether we like it or not. And there's certain vices that go along with that. I was at a uh, Lincoln Police Department. Uh, the union had mm-hmm. a meeting. It was actually it was last week, a week ago. And I was going over with them again. You know, how underfunded and then understaffed they happen to be. So that's an issue. And then uh, I, a lot of folks talk to me about election integrity. It's not, you know, it's interesting. It's not just the Republicans. There's a fair number of independents and even some Democrats that are concerned about things. So I think there's some low-hanging fruit there. I, I think paper ballots across the board and then voter ID. The governor assures me that it's going to be on the ballot in November. I keep asking him every time I see him if that's really going to happen, but... I think that that's something that we should look at. Everyone I've talked to uh, 
and it's pretty, pretty unanimous, is a supporter of voter ID. And there's been a lot of push, even from elected officials up at the state, to try to get that on the ballot. Um, and it's interesting because I've tossed election integrity around so many different ways and talked to people all throughout the state. And, and where I'm at on it, um, not that it, you care, but listeners, is listen, whatever has gone on, period, end of story, whatever you believe in that, there is a trust issue from the people, and and it's more than people think, not just in our state, but across the nation. And I think it's incumbent upon elected officials to work to restore that trust. And of course, make sure that we have, you know, election integrity. It's a key cornerstone of our democracy. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we've reached that crisis of confidence that maybe exists in some other states, but there are a lot of people concerned about it. Well, I think what I think we are is it's Nebraska and some see smoke and they'd rather just be, hey, let's make sure we don't have any smoke here. You know, yes, I other agree. places uh, have lost their minds. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, constitutional rights are one of my other platform issues. They, you know, First Amendment, Second Amendment, 14th Amendment, those those are the ones I think require a certain amount of constant maintenance and vigilance. Um, you know, there's a reason why the founders put all those in, all those First Amendment rights. I mean, you guys are part of that fourth estate, the freedom of the press. There's mm-hmm. supposed to be that other check on govern- government overreach. I don't know how well that's working right yeah, now. Well, but- <laughs> Mark Bale and I are going to talk about that uh, in the second segment, right, uh, about the importance of a free press. Exactly. <laughs> but even freedom of assembly, uh, freedom of speech, freedom to uh, address your grievances to the government. And, you know, I think that the government wanted to make sure that we had an armed populace to protect us against aggressors, foreign and domestic. Uh, there was a lot of wisdom tied up in that document, especially that Bill of Rights. Then the 14th Amendment, there's things that are, you, you need to have control over your body, over what medical procedures are done to you, what things are injected into you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that privacy right encompasses a lot of things. I don't know if a lot of parents realize, but the Constitution doesn't actually provide any specific protections for you as parents to be the final arbiter as to the education and upbringing of your children. That's all based in case law. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, you know, if there's anything that's clear over the last couple of years, I think we thought that we had stronger liberties than maybe we realized we really do. And I think that it's also really incumbent on us to try to seek out truth and to protect our freedoms. So those are part, some of the things I'm really going to focus on as I get into the legislature. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Russ, you said that real well. I think, uh, going back to personal liberties, I think that people did assume that. I actually believe we do have them. Mm-hmm. It's just we haven't been challenged with entities, organizations that could manipulate both the Constitution and its wording and, as you said, case law rulings for activities that take away those personal liberties and in the last couple years folks in different levels uh, it was kind of all attacked at once whether that's nefarious or it just happened what i like about it is is i think that it's woken the american public up to a lot of things and so there's a lot of folks running for office and getting involved in keeping elected officials accountable i agree 
I mean, it, you know, it's so interesting. They've been talking to us about how we have to constantly, it's all about the science. You know, they're yeah. just following the science. And I remember I, it was in December and the Omicron variant was on its ascent. I think we're getting more and more cases mm-hmm. every week. And lo and behold, as soon as school is out, by golly, the mask mandate ends. Yeah. And that was some pretty cool science. It was. And then, you know, as soon as Christmas break is over and it's time for the kids to go back, it comes back on. It came back. You know, I think it was science, <laughs> but I think it was political science is what they, she was relying on. You know, yeah. and that just aggravates people. You can't. You can't manipulate people constantly and not expect a certain amount of pushback. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. And uh, and uh, like I said, I think we're all now living in it. Uh, there's uh, decisions and then repercussions, both good and bad. And what you have now, I think, in America is a more active public on both sides, watching the way our politics works, watching what's on media, watching and where can I get involved to help make positive change. And that's a good thing. I agree. Well, you know, I I wish the media that I think back in the day with that fourth estate, they would push back. It didn't matter which party it was. They were another check within our system. I don't know if the founders envisioned that. I'm hoping they did. But I think back in the days of Nixon and some of those folks, it didn't matter who it was. They were going to try to draw the truth out and then let people make their own conclusions. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll be able to debate uh, long into the future of when the dynamic has changed a little bit. Um, And my guess would be with the founders and giving what they had came from, um, that they realized it. And, of course, it it began locally with local presses. I mean, Benjamin Franklin, if you will, and writers. And it just took on a a good value, um, both locally and nationally. Uh, to remind elected officials that they serve the people. Um, and then, you know, it, it did last for maybe 200 years in that type of vein. Um, but it certainly has adjusted. And, yeah. uh, you know, we, we just uh, we will roll with it. Uh, Russ Barger, where can people uh, find you? Uh, so Barger for Legislature is the website. Um, just go on to there. And if you want to participate in the campaign if you need any information uh there's several check boxes we'd just love to get back a hold of you and uh you know it what it's going to take is a ground game for us to win this district i think there's going to be a certain amount of money that'll come raid against me but you know we've got a lot of folks who are excited all across the spectrum they want change and i think they want someone who has an invested interest in that corner of town. So I'm really hoping that folks will look at our website, contact us. We meet at Hy-Vee every week, and we send you out with your app if you want to knock on doors. Oh, there you go. Well, you can meet at Hy-Vee every week. Uh, com is where you can uh, follow up with Russ. And, uh, yeah, I wish you the best of luck. I really appreciate you coming in here to Drive Time Lincoln. And, uh I guess the one question I would have is, if elected, I've asked this to several people, what's the one thing, if you could get it accomplished, that you feel would really help the people of District 26 in the state? You know, one thing I've been actually talking about, I need to get a hold of NIFA again, but we have a bunch of smaller houses. They're starting to get a little bit dilapidated, but it's a great irony of how the market works. There's a lot of young folks who don't like living in rentals. They don't, what happens is, is they can't afford to get into a house. 
and they don't want to necessarily get married if they can't afford a house, and they can't start a family until they get married, usually. Right. Um, and nobody wants to raise their kids in an apartment. So we're in sort of a unique spot. If there were some way that I could convince the rest of the legislature to uh, give younger families, younger workers a chance to get in and get a five-year reduction on property taxes, reamortize that loan, maybe through NIFA they'll have a special program where those rates are lower, and try to get them into being homeowners. That's what builds a safe community, makes for better education, makes things safer. I'd be one of the things I'm going to try to focus on. I love it. You've got a plan there, right? Right? Right in your district. So appreciate it again, and wish you the best of luck, uh, Russ Barger on Drive Time Lincoln, fourteen hundred ninety nine three KLIN. You're getting the four one one from DTL with Commander Jack Riggins on fourteen hundred and ninety nine three KLIN. All right, we're back here real quick before the second segment. Uh, we will open the call lines uh, for the second segment on a uh, kind of sort of wacky Wednesday with uh, Mark Vale running the producing board and me, Jack Riggins, the host. Uh, just had Russ Barger in running for District uh, 26. Uh, well thought out, put to, put together a candidate uh, up there with some ideas how to help folks up there and, and uh, really just... By the book on what he supports. And, uh, again, you can find him at uh, .com. Uh Following up uh, from James Harold yesterday, one of the questions, I believe it was Nancy, you had asked about what does he uh, support in schools. And James got back to me. Uh, he's a proponent of any education policy that maximizes choices for students and parents. Um, so, hey. Trying for the people to get everything answered and appreciate James for coming on yesterday and following up with that and Nancy for asking the question. So Rick Stein Recognition Hotline 402-479-1400 will be open when we come back from the second segment. And Mark Vale and I will bring it home on a bunch of different topics in the next 30 minutes. 1499.3 KLIN. Drive Time Lincoln with the Commander Jack Riggins on the Voice of Lincoln, fourteen hundred and ninety nine three KLIN. All right, back here on April twentieth, uh, five thirty seven. Just had uh, Russ Barger on B A R G E R Barger for Legislature dot com, running for District twenty six. Um, thought we got uh, most of the things covered as we've done for all the political candidates that come in and appreciate doing it as we get closer to the primary. Uh, one of the things that uh, was interesting to me, uh, again, I should say uh, call lines are open here on a kind of half whatever Wednesday Rick Stein recognition hotline 402-479-1400 and the text line, of course, uh, is all the texts. I got all the emails I got uh, with regard to some comments made yesterday when uh, Caleb Henry, who everyone should know is our sports information uh, guy, as well as uh, a stalwart in the three man team in the uh, LNK Today show in the morning. He was producing the show. We were talking about some issues. And and as we discussed it, uh, he described um White privilege in one of the conversations, and and he had said, we, we, you and I, Jack, white privilege, 
Um, I'm paraphrasing. And that's absolutely fine that he said that and he kind of expressed his thoughts on that. Um, but many of you were like, Commander, is that you? Did you? And folks, let me clarify, right? Caleb was describing a situation. We were talking about uh, reporting and some of the Herbster stuff and different dynamics as we see them, and he described that. I, for clarification, I don't believe in the white privilege movement, and I'm perfectly comfortable with other people that do, kind of as we've seen it. And so I want to clarify that for the listeners. Um, If I were to, in a small window, be able to say, well, how or why or what's another example that we could relate to you, Mr. Radio Show Host, I would say, even over the years, when I have listened or read about different items, um, there are some great clips from the actor Morgan Freeman with Don Lemon on CNN with Mike Wallace on 60 Minutes, and you've heard me say it many times. Stop talking about race. Start talking about people. Start talking about human beings. Okay? You go back to my military service and General Colin Powell and his great writings and his story of coming up all the way from his childhood and the challenges he had to um, to be one of our most senior military leaders as an African-American. And that would be closer to how I feel about the issue, meaning that I tend to look at America and the world over a time frame, okay? And in that time frame, it is hard for me to believe that minorities have it worse off in America today than 20 years ago, 40 years ago, 100 years ago, right? And that we are trending in a more equal society for everyone. And to bring up in modern times that there is some privilege that I had because of my white skin, I don't buy that. And that's fair. That's my opinion. And it's very okay that other people feel a different way. I would say that in my life lessons, if you haven't experienced it yet, no matter who you are and what you are, you are going to be discriminated against. You're going to be discriminated against as a little kid for the way your teeth grow in, for your grades, uh, whether you're fast or slow with how you pronunciate things. Uh, You're going to be discriminated against as you get older to what maybe you can afford to wear to high school or to the prom, right? You're going to be discriminated against at times in college or your first jobs because you're a newbie at the job and some of the older, more experienced workers may say things to you. And so we have to learn to have some resiliency to the normal human dynamics Um, that are discrimination. We don't live in a world uh, that is not unfair and at times, um, you know, perfect. We as human beings make mistakes. We're judgmental at times, and we do things and say things that do hurt other people. I realize that, and we need to be better at that. 
But for me to go so far as to talk that, yes, there's a white privilege problem in America, no, I don't believe in that. As a matter of fact, I would tell you, um, based on my experience, that everybody that has just been lucky enough in this modern age to be born in America or to find themselves here and get citizenship have hit the human being lottery. Okay, they've hit the human being lottery, meaning you have the most amount of freedom, the most amount of personal choice to be able to live your hopes and dreams that is available on this planet as we sit today. And so I just wanted to clarify that. And I'm perfectly like I said, um, Caleb was expressing a thought and that's fair. He's very articulate and very thoughtful and If anything, what you should take from it is that we can on this show, as well as other people, we can have discussions and different ideas and not hate each other and not throw spears, so to speak. Um, But, you know, I get it. My listeners want to know. And and so there you go, folks. Um, We'll get there. Let's take a couple of calls. Uh, Let's go to uh, line one, Brian. Good afternoon, Jack. Oh, Brian, Brian. Well, I'm calling in about election integrity. Okay, go with it. And on the Nebraska Freedom Coalition website, nebraskafreedom.org, they have an article, Nebraska Election 2020, Shaky at Best. And it says that our Lancaster County votes are stored and... uh, uh, Our Lancaster County votes are stored by our voting technology company, ESS. That's Electronic Software and Systems. Yes using software from a company called CrowdStrike. Yes. Now, I happened to be in a whirlpool with the former Secretary of State last week, Alan Bierman, and I asked him if uh, that company had anything at all to do with CrowdStrike, and he said not that he knew about it, and of course I looked online, could find no connection between the two. But uh, further down in the article, it says... uh, uh, CrowdStrike lied to the DNC as they knew there was no Russian infiltration of the DNC computers and Trump had not colluded with the Russians. Well, all of our security agencies says that it was uh, Russia who got the data from the servers of the DNC. Question, and, Brian, uh, or yes. thought? Do you have a question or a just clear thought? Sure, sure. I have a question for you. Now, when presenting evidence, I try to give it so that you can look it up yourself, like when I said Paul Manafort and uh Yeah, Ukraine. I got you. Keep going. Did you, did you look up Paul Manafort and uh, Ukraine? Cause, I've know, already talked about that to you. In all I already talked about the fact that uh, Paul Manafort, when you look that up, there is a segment that talks about Paul Manafort and money and nefarious activity uh, with Ukraine and his association with Trump. So, yes, I've I have talked to you about that. Well, more that he was working for a Russian puppet in Ukraine and then came over here. Again, what's and, your uh, thought? Gave, what's uh, your thought? Data to, what's uh, your Russian thought? Give me your just thought okay. for today. Well, my question is, knowing that Paul Manafort gave uh, Republican Party polling data to Russian military intelligence, and that uh, <clears throat> George Papadopoulos was uh, bragging to an Australian diplomat about how the Russia was going to open up uh, the Trump campaign with uh, stolen uh, materials. Can you still say that uh, 
cheat team Trump and uh, had absolutely no collusion with uh, Russia? Thanks for the call. I'll answer. Uh, so the long, <laughs> the long diatribe there, which is fair. I'm probably one of the more fair radio hosts to let my listeners talk. <laughs> um, is um, do I believe that uh, Trump and no Russia collusion and this that and another thing? The answer is yes, Brian. I believe that politics is a very, very, very dirty game, and that whether. I believe there was some collusion, no collusion, somewhere in between. Now I switch to Hunter Biden and go, whether there's total Hunter Biden truth, half Hunter Biden truth, half uh, zero with China and Russia and Joe Biden, they can all be true. They can all be a false. As an American, I have to inform an opinion on these. and factual as best I can in a media, which I'm going to talk about in a second here with Mark Vale, that has made it extremely difficult for private citizens to understand what's going on and to also realize there are political games going on inside of America between the two major parties. And frankly, you could make that argument right here in the state. Um, And so with my experience and knowledge, I am more apt to say that this is high-level national political games. And that's where I stand on it. So I appreciate your call. You always uh, provide some interesting information. Uh, Johnny, I'll get to you in a second. I see you there on the line. Mark, here's the question I had for you, and I want to get to it. Um, Really, it it spurred me because the Obama Foundation um, has come out, and uh, the quote is by President Obama, in recent years we've seen how quickly disinformation spreads, especially on social media. This has created real challenges for our democracy. He goes on to explain how the Obama Foundation is working to empower and equip emerging leaders to tackle issues like the spread of disinformation. Okay, disinformation is a term that's interesting enough, really came into the public psyche with the kind of Russia collusion, Paul Manafort, now uh, Hunter Biden laptop, a COVID. I mean, before that, disinformation would have been a word really only found in military circles and specifically psychological operations. Um, But it made me think about these clips where a lot of news networks, ours included, outlets, there is kind of a clearinghouse every morning where kind of standard AP news comes out. Is there not? Yes, there is. And there has been, um, maybe depending on network affiliation over the years, you know, different. Um, they've, uh, oh, what's the word? They've kind of combined or they've I, given the snippets, right? I call it quick reads of, of news from around the world and, and things like that. Yeah, the aggregators. The, 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 That's what I was looking for. Yeah, they, they, the. Headline aggregators is what I call them. Okay. I mean, you know, the, the first paragraph and all of that. Right. And so, folks, you know, I think it's important to understand and where I'm going with this is, Mark, how long would you say that's been going on? Uh, it's been going on since the proliferation of and the widespread use of social media and uh, active Internet. Okay. Yeah. And that's what I kind of thought with regard to, we're going to say, 25 years. And, folks, where I'm going with this is, Prior to that, if you think about it, the major news agencies, of course, had to go find their own news. 
um, you know, CBS, NBC, ABC. This is this is way prior to uh, cable news network. Right. And so you had reporters, you know, junior reporters all the way up to the senior reporters, really running around the world, running around the nation, uh, working on stories, and then their network would present it. And obviously, if affiliate stations, say in Nebraska or Colorado, you know, they might run a story that a national reporter. And then, of course, we got to cable news, and, you know, they had money and power, and they ran off. But then we got to the Internet. And where I'm going with this is, is when we had the Internet and this aggregated kind of news, all of us in this business can get these things daily because of the Internet. And some of you have seen that you can go from the West Coast to the East Coast or East Coast to West Coast on many news networks on TV in particular and almost verbatim see the anchor saying the same thing across the United States. And the reason is they're reading from that and they're running that story. I am not saying that that is necessarily good or bad, but here's my point. And it's kind of interesting that Russ Barger brought up the Fourth Amendment and freedom of press is we're getting to a point where is the news the actual news? Okay. And a question of, and it does go back to what Brian was bringing up, it goes back to what Russ is saying. I would say to some level it goes to the case we're having with Charles Herbster and the accusers, um, and certainly on issues like CrowdStrike and Paul Manafort and Russian collusion and Hunter Biden. Can the news be bought? Can the news be wrong? Can it be forced to run a story? Can it be intimidated to run a story? Well, I'm going to tell you from my experience, right, the news definitely can be wrong at times. What's great about Legitimate news networks is if they're wrong on a story, they will run another story or a retraction and they will give you the information. But we have gotten to a time. So in one way, President Obama is not wrong in saying that there is disinformation. But there is an influence because of all of this where things can be bought Things can be forced. They can be intimidated. Reporters can be threatened by their editors not to have access to somebody. And folks, this goes on in this state. I have seen it. I've been part of it. And I'm not saying that's bad or good. What I'm telling you is, is when we go down the line, and Brian likes to go down it a lot, and President Obama has jumped in to say disinformation, that's assuming by all of us. That what we're seeing on TV and what we're hearing is actual fact and truth. And if it's not, there'll be another story that digs into it. And so you could look at it and go, have we lost a complete free press? I'd say we're probably as low as we've been as a country of having a completely free press. And it it does a heck of a good job when we have one. We have gotten to an all-time high of disinformation by a lot of different ways. Some of it, most of it, and the reason I wanted to explain that aggregate, is unwitting people passing information, because it's their profession, and it's the best way to give news out in a quick, timely manner, and they're not part of the apparatus. They're just unwittingly doing their job. And what happens is, is that can be hijacked a little bit. And so I think we're at a state that we need to pay attention to things like Elon Musk's fight with Twitter to try to turn that into a free 
speech platform. We have to be concerned about somebody like President Obama talking about taking his influence to get rid of disinformation when, in fact, what he's really saying is he wants to figure a way to get the information that people that think like President Obama have out more effectively. You're getting the 411 from DTL with Commander Jack Riggins on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, folks, Johnny called in uh, talking about white privilege. He thinks we should call it race privilege. He agreed uh, talking that there's economic privilege. Um, I think privilege and uh, uh, <laughs> discrimination can be interchangeable. Uh, here's a point about the news. The best you can do right now is get local news because you can find us on the street. You can know us. We live in your communities. We do the best job we can. All right, 1,499.3 KLIN.